Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, and for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. You guys are getting really good at that. And just about the time you get good at it, I'm going to stop doing it. Uh, you know, we're going to do that through the Beatitudes. I, I promised you that wasn't going to be something I was going to make you to do but uh, for the rest of your life in here. But I think it's good to, to do it occasionally. And, uh, you know, if you're ever at a Lutheran or a Presbyterian church or another denomination um, and, 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 and they do that, you won't feel like, you'll feel like, hey, well, this is just natural for me, right? And so uh, I, think it's, I think it's important to recognize that this is the Word of God for the people of God, and, and we have a reason to be thankful. What, what, what do you think of when you hear the word mercy? You know, somebody think, mercy me? <laughs> the group, mercy me. Do you think of sports mercy? You know, there's some, when the kids were little, you know, they, some of these teams would have sports, sports mercy rules, which means you can beat a team by 20, but you can't beat them by 80. <laughs> and so, you know, clock would run or they'd do some different things. And, and, and Spencer played basketball in kindergarten. And let me tell you, you've not lived until you've coached a kindergarten basketball team. Um, you know, half the kids can't even get the ball up to the net, let alone the rim. Uh, and so Spencer played basketball in kindergarten and, and their team was was really, 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 really bad. Um, uh, they were one of the worst teams. Uh, they were the worst team in, in the kindergarten league. And, uh, and we were killed every week. And I mean, we may have hit one bucket, two buckets all year long. And, and so the mercy they showed was there was no scoreboard. As if a six-year-old can't tell, they're scoring right and left, and we're never even getting to shoot. I mean, they understand that. Kids understand all these things we do to protect them. Kids, ask your kid if they, if they play upward or anything like that. Ask them what the score of the game was. And most most of them know. <laughs> so you can think of sports mercy, the things that we do to, 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 to make teams feel better. Maybe you think of what you had to say when a brother had you in a headlock. Anybody ever had a brother put you in a headlock till you said mercy? You know, maybe that's what you think of when, when you say, when you hear the word mercy. You know, mercy, when we've experienced it, is powerful. Has anybody ever experienced mercy? I can think of times... And in, in, in my ministry, in my life, where I've dropped the ball, where I've really messed up, uh, and, and, and someone has extended me mercy, uh, you know, it, it's powerful, particularly when that mercy is extended by someone who's unexpected, right? <laughs> and all of us, I hope, have, have, have experienced mercy in our life when we, we begin to talk about mercy we, we, we've either extended it or hopefully we've all extended it but, but we've also experienced it and so that word has meaning to us 
we've been moving through the Beatitudes, and we're, we're about halfway done, more than halfway done. Um, and um, we, we've been working with this ideal that the Beatitudes represent attitudes which allow us to fully reclaim our place as God's obedient children. That, that, that Jesus isn't just giving philosophical, you know, it's just not a philosophical poem. It's, it's not just a feel-good poem, but, but it's practical attitudes for the people of God. If we truly want to be kingdom people, these are attitudes that kingdom people possess. And I, I firmly believe that there are a, there's a, a progression to these. Not, not that you move past being poor in spirit. You remain poor in spirit. But each one builds upon the other. That, that, that as we are poor in spirit and we, we see God and then we see ourselves and we mourn. And then we realize that the task is too big. And, and so we, we, we put our strength fully under God's control. And, and then when we put our strength under God's control, we hunger for more of Him and more of His holiness. And I believe it's the case with this beatitude as well. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I believe as we, as we see God, as we see ourselves, as we put our strength under His control, as, as God satisfies our thirst for holiness, our thirst for righteousness, as God restores our relationship with Him and with others, as we see the mercy of God poured out on us, I think the natural step that we take in our life is we begin to extend mercy to other people. So the question that we should wrestle with today, and really, I'd like this question, <laughs> instead of what you're going to have for lunch, okay, I would like this question to kind of stay in the back of your mind throughout this sermon. Uh, you know, I, I have sat through enough sermons that I know that most of you are thinking about other things as I'm preaching, Right? Say amen, because I know you are, because I've been there too. And it's okay. Don't, don't, don't freak out. But the question I want to be in the back of your mind is, do you easily extend mercy? Are you a person that easily forgives? Are you a person that others would consider merciful? You know, that's kind of problematic because at least the perception of us in the church world is that we're not the most merciful people in the world. You, you realize that, right? <laughs> and some of that's false perception. And at times it's not false perception. Anybody ever been hurt by somebody in church? <laughs> Sometimes the expectations of other church members means that mercy is not always extended like it probably should. Now, now mercy is a kingdom attitude. 
If you belong to the kingdom, if God sits on the throne of your life, if you're fully submitted to Him, if you've really accepted God and accepted His mercy, mercy is an attitude which should spring easily from the heart of a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, the other, the, the earlier Beatitudes have all been God-focused. You know, the, the poor in spirit, the focus is on God. The, 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 those who mourn, the focus is on God. They, th those who, who are meek or gentle, the focus is on God. Those who hunger and thirst, their focus, it's, it's God-focused. But, but now Jesus in his poem, in, his, in his, his opening song of ministry, begins to move, and the focus is not just on God, but mercy is something that we extend to others in our life. And so the Beatitudes become other-focused. And so Jesus is asking us, how will I respond to others when God has full authority in my life? When God is firmly entrenched on the throne and, and I'm desiring Him more than anything and I'm experiencing Him because the, the, the previous beatitude says if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you'll be filled. So you're experiencing God. How will you respond to other people? Relationship with God and relationship with others is inseparable. <laughs> You can't be right with God and at war with others. It's clear in Scripture. Jesus talks about this all the time. You can't love God and not love others. You can't receive mercy. You can't receive forgiveness unless you're willing to give mercy and willing to give forgiveness. The Apostle John writes, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. That's pretty strong language, right? For if we don't love people, we can see how we can we love God whom we cannot see. In other words, John's saying, listen, you see people all around you, and, and, and if you can't love these people that you see, how in the world can you even begin to love the God that you don't see. We cannot live in the mercy of God without that mercy flowing out towards others. It's impossible. It's impossible to fully embrace God's mercy. I, as I read Scripture, and I, I got to tell you, I'm not sure if I fully understand this, but, but, but Scripture is clear that if we're not willing to forgive, God can't forgive us. If we're not willing to extend mercy, we can't extend mercy or receive mercy. Now, when we use the word mercy, it's, it's, it's more, than, more than just pity. You know, it's, it's not just, oh, man, I feel so sorry for them. It's, it's something deeper than that. It's, it's this word chesed. Uh, Barclay writes about it. He it says it's the ability to get right inside other people until we can see things with their eyes, think things with their minds, and feel with their feelings. It's walking in someone else's shoes. It's, it, it's that great word, Empathy. You know, it, it's that word where, where you feel what the other person's feeling, that, that you begin to see them 
and are turned from the inside. Anybody ever had that feeling? You know, where you just, it just churns up your insides. My, my favorite example, I give it every time I think about empathy, is, is Scout Finch standing on Boo Radley's front porch. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've not read the greatest book in the 20th century. Who knows what I'm talking about? Somebody act like you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we're, we're talking about, of course, To Kill a Mockingbird and, and Scout Finch and her brother Jeb. Am I right? Jeb. They, they persecute. They, 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 they put Boo Radley through the, through the mill. And, and then eventually they, they, he, he saves Jeb from being attacked. And, and Scout's standing on his front porch. And she begins to just see the neighborhood from his perspective. See, see, to empathize someone is to see the neighborhood from their perspective, to, to stand on their front porch, to experience their life, to, to begin to understand what they're going through. After this series, or after Easter, we're, we're going to um, do a, a joint series with, last count, there were more than 20 churches in our community, in our county, that was going to be, that's going to be doing Love UC together, preaching uh, a very similar sermon series and connecting our people together to begin to pray and love their neighbors and love their neighborhoods. And, and in the book, The Art of Neighboring, which is a book that, that will coincide with the series, and you'll have the opportunity to get it for $7.50 if you, if you want to buy it as we preach through the series. In The Art of Neighboring, the author proposes the, the radical ideal, what if we just loved our neighbor as ourselves, our physical neighbor? What would happen in our communities? What would happen in our neighborhoods if we just loved our neighbors like ourselves? And, and the author suggests that, that one thing that we need to be able to do is to have empathy for the people who may be different than us. <laughs> anybody have anybody different than you on your street? Yeah. You know, and, and, and the author suggests, you know, can, can, you, can you somehow see life through their lenses and through their perspective and begin to understand that maybe it's not what it looks like on the surface? That, that, that maybe that person that is not as attentive to their yard as you would like is dealing with a tragic illness or a troubled relationship. And so empathy is this ability to begin to, to walk in other shoes. And, and here's the second question. Can you guys handle two questions to have rolling around in your mind? Somebody said no. Well... Do you empathize with others easily? Do you know our researchers and scientists are beginning to believe that really our brain is hardwired to empathize with people? But there's barriers that we put up that, that, that naturally we should be able to empathize. But for whatever reason, we have closed ourselves off to others so much that many of us are losing the ability to demonstrate empathy. You know, there's, there's lots of reasons I, I think that happens. I, I think we, we, we drive in, into our office and then we pull, drive back home in our, our car and our windows are up and, you know, the radio's on. We're listening to what we want to listen to. Our garage door goes up. We pull in. We're in the house and that's it. <laughs> and, and so we don't interact with people unless we have to. I, I think that's a problem. I'll confess, when, when we sit and eat 
too often our cell phones are out. Anybody else have that problem? As a matter of fact, instead of talking, we just text each other when we're sitting eating. It's just easier. You know, I think these are barriers, and I think they're tearing down our ability to empathize with people. That, that, that some of the, the media that we have, some of the, some of the things that are good, they're good. I, I love my cell phone. But I don't love my cell phone more than my kids or my wife. <laughs> and oftentimes these things begin to get in the way of us truly connecting with people. Now there's some habits, and you can get online and find all sorts of other ones, but, but I thought these, these three were, were really good. Habits that increase empathy, be curious about others. In other words, when, when, when you meet someone, develop this healthy appetite to learn more about them. You might be surprised what you find out. Listen well. Who considers himself a good listener? You guys are all good listeners. Look at you out there listening. I'm... And be open with others. You know, be, be vulnerable. Be, be, willing, be willing to be open yourself. Don't, don't just be someone who asks questions, but, but see, be someone who truly engages others in conversations. So, so we're talking about empathy, and the, and the root word for chess is the word oil. It's a healing agent. And, and so mercy provides a healing touch. It's not just a feeling on the inside. It's, it's not passive. It's, it's not simply overlooking failures. You know, sometimes we think, well, mercy means if, if somebody uh, throws a rock through my window, I just say, God bless you, you're forgiven, right? Um, mercy is this healing action. It's it, true mercy moves towards healing and wholeness. You know, when I think about mercy and people that practice mercy, I can't help but think about Mary Gingery. Anybody else think, you know, as I'm talking about somebody that, that, that works for practical ways to bring whole, wholeness and healing, I think of Mary. See, see, mercy is a deep feeling leading to healing action. So, so how's mercy practically extended? Well, you work to restore relationships. You know, forgiveness and reconciliation is a part of mercy. It's, 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 it's hard. It's not easy. You work for, and I hesitate to use this word, but we need to understand what this word means. We work for justice. Justice is not protection from one another only. But justice is care for one another. It's lifting others up. So, so, so mercy is proactive. Mercy seeks to restore. And mercy seeks the best for others. Sounds a lot like love, doesn't it? <laughs> I can remember um, when we were little, younger, mom, if me and my younger brother would have a fight, my mom would make us hug. Any of you parents do that? You know, so, so it's kind of like, yes, here, here, Bob, can you be, Bob, those kind of these kind of things, <laughs> you, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much good that really did. Um, a few extra shots in when mom's not looking, I guess. 
You know, mercy's more than going through the motions. It's not just excusing behavior and saying, ah, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to be merciful. I'm just going to be forgive, forgiving. In fact, true forgiveness and mercy are extraordinary actions. If you truly are merciful, it is extraordinary. <laughs> extraordinary. It's not ordinary activity. As a matter of fact, I, I think when you, when you start talking about ordinary and extraordinary, I think God is calling us to holiness, which is separate, which is more than just an ordinary life. And I think mercy and forgiveness and love and kindness are extraordinary things that we're missing in our world. Let me show you a video of a young lady that, that I believe is demonstrating extraordinary mercy and forgiveness in a very difficult and real situation. All right, am I in an office with uh, Chloe? Chloe, um, how long have you and Brock been married? Ah, two years and a couple months. Okay, so, uh, Harley is uh, uh, Brock's child, your stepdaughter, your mm -hmm. daughter. Yep. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about your relationship with Harley's mom. Um, to, to understand the relationship, you kind of have to understand what we've been through, and that would be a two-and-a-half, three-year custody battle. Um, there was a lot of not good things happening in the home, including, you know, sexual, physical, mental abuse. Um, there was a lot of, when we went for custody, because it was not a safe environment at that time, um, there was a lot of retaliation and um, a lot of fear instilled in our home, a lot of random um, car got keyed, not good things. And um, so we fast forward to years of doing this. Um, Brock and I move in a new home, Harley's starting school, we have an, another child and still the torment of, you know, every time there's always a fight. There's always, you know, harassment or something going on. And every night I would pray, God, just take this away. I would pray and go, you know, help my child not be so angry because she was so angry and we had been through counseling and she just, you know, getting her ready to go see her mother was a fight. I would get pants thrown at my head kind of thing and no, I'm not going, I'm staying here. And I just prayed, how, how do I help my child heal? How do I help? What do I do? And I felt so lost and I would stay up at night because I just hated her. And I, I don't like using that word because I don't hate people. It's not really in my nature, but I hated her mother with such a passion because I was so afraid of her and all these years of fighting and just not good things happening and God was speaking to me but I didn't I did not want to hear it because I would in my heart I would feel him say you need to meet me halfway I'm not just going to take this off your shoulders you need to meet me halfway if you want healing you have to meet me halfway and I did not want to at all and then beginning of school year started coming up 
can again and again. I would here find forgiveness and I did not at all want to. Um, but after talking to my parents and Brock and praying on it more and more and more, I decided, you know, what's the worst that can happen? We've already been through the worst. And so I sent her a message to meet me for lunch. She refused, originally refused to meet me for lunch and demanded to know what I wanted. And I told her I wanted to work on forgiving her. And I wanted her to work on forgiving me, if that was possible. And um, we, we, there was a lot of tears, a lot of arguing on what exactly happened and things like that. But now we are, you know, towards the end of the school year and been working together for, you know, seven months now. And, you know, there are still some things that bother me, but I finally have peace. I can sleep at night because I don't hate her because I followed what my God wanted. And that was for me to forgive and find my own peace. And he would help me get there in different ways. We're to the point where I even bring her other daughter, which is Harley's half-sister, to church sometimes. And I have her for sleepovers, or if there's an emergency, I take her half-sister. And um, we've gone to lunch. And to see not just a change in my household, but a change in Harley, who is such an angry little girl, is now excited to go see her mom because she knows that me and her mom will have a wonderful conversation in front of her and it will be happy and it won't be tossing her out the car to this person who she didn't trust and that her own parents didn't trust. Why was she getting dropped with this person? And God, all I had to do was reach out and God met me the rest of the way. I've been following Chloe on Facebook as she's walked through this. If you're friends with her, you've seen some of the posts. And, and that's just a snapshot of what's going on. Uh, there, there's good and bad in this, that, that this has not been a linear, easy thing. But it's been an extraordinary watching her as she's moved and extended mercy, how God has moved in that circumstance. Mercy is a kingdom attitude. And Jesus says, the merciful receive mercy. It's possible to read, as you give mercy, you will receive mercy. As you give healing action, you will receive healing action. So there's healing and wholeness found in giving mercy. As we seek wholeness for others, we receive wholeness. And I think you heard in the video how God had begun to, to extend even healing to Chloe in the midst of her giving of mercy to, to um, Harley's mom. You know, it, as, we, as we pursue mercy in our life, and, and we've been talking about this third way, G Jesus says, if you, you don't seek blessing, you seek holiness. And as you seek holiness, blessing is added. And, and, I, and I would say this is another third way. It's, it's not that we just seek forgiveness and peace, but as we extend forgiveness and peace, we receive peace and wholeness. Personal wholeness 
is found when we seek wholeness for others. So, so maybe you're struggling with mercy, and maybe as we ask that question to, to begin with, uh, do, do you extend mercy easily? Maybe that troubles you. I, if you. If you're not easily extending mercy, I hope it does trouble you a little bit. If, you, if you're not considered merciful, I, I hope that at the very least, uh, that as we've moved through this, you think, man, I, I really want to become more merciful in my attitude. And I have some just really practical things. That I think these are practical steps that, that as we think about our relationship with others, as we think about those who, who maybe are a little bit harder to forgive, and as I said that, somebody's face popped into your mind, right? Uh, you know, as you think of those people that, that's a little bit more difficult to extend mercy to, here's some practical things um, that, that you can do. Number one, remind yourself God's mercy was extended to you. As you have been wronged, and sometimes we're wronged, right? As you are wronged, remind yourself that you wronged God and God extended forgiveness to you. Be willing to accept mercy yourself. If you're unwilling to accept mercy, oftentimes it's very difficult to extend mercy. If you're unwilling to accept help, you're, you're probably not really easily giving help to others. And this is an important one. Be patient with other people's oddities because they're patient with yours. <laughs> uh, you know, just, just be patient because everybody has their, their own little things. Value relationships over rules. Um, the, the, the relate, I was just reading this week a book called, um, actually I was reading a synopsis of a book called Focus, or one thing, I can't remember what the exact title was, I wasn't focused enough when I was reading it apparently. Uh, but but he, the, the, the guy makes the illustration of, um, of life is like juggling various balls and he said you know so there's work and there's your physical body and there's 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 um, all these things you're you're juggling and one of them is your family he said you can drop all of them because they're rubber balls and they will bounce back up but if you drop the family ball it's glass and it will shatter relationships are all that matters folks all these things that we, we, we think are primary, the only thing that matters is relationship, and they're more important than anything else. Do not be a scorekeeper in your relationship. I'm, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand, but uh, you know that, that's, that's a very easy trap to fall into. Amen? <laughs> Practice mercy like it's a gift for yourself. Um, as, as I thought about that and, and looked at that this week, I got to tell you, I, I think that is a, if you don't take anything else from this sermon, take that. This, this week, every time you have the opportunity to extend mercy, extend it and realize that as you extend mercy, you receive mercy. And then intentionally find opportunities to practice mercy. Um, don't be casual about it. As you go through your week, 
look for those opportunities that God has given you to be merciful to someone else. One more question, because you guys handle one more, one more question. You give me mercy. How much mercy would you receive if you received the amount of mercy you give to others? All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Um, once again, I'm, I've, I've struggled with how to close this one. Because I'm reminded uh, of a story Jesus tells, and I think it's in the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus says, if, if, if you realize you have something between you and a brother, and you're at the altar, leave the altar and make things right with the brother. You know, our altars are always available. I mean, I, and, and, and I'm not saying you can't come to the altar, but I think the response for a sermon like this is towards others. That, that if there's somebody in your life that maybe you're holding something against, that, and maybe it's something real, maybe it's a real hurt, this is an invitation to extend mercy and forgiveness. Always remember, reconciliation is different than forgiveness. See, see, forgiveness is not a transaction between you and another person, but forgiveness is a transaction between you and God where you let go of hard feelings and you allow yourself to stop judging and stop bearing grudges. Is there somebody in your life that the step's not towards God right now? The step is to reconcile or to seek forgiveness and then hopefully maybe at some point reconciliation with them.